Welcome to the Connor Churlin podcast, where I, Connor Churlin, meet up with a musician, hear about what makes them tick, ask them to play a song, see what kind of life experiences they're bringing into their music. And on today's episode, we have Maya Elise. What a great conversation talking about moving from a solo project to a band project, talking about what it's like to have a dad who picks up hitchhikers. Seems like a great thing, teaches great generosity skills. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Maya and I, where we forget the word proxemix, which is when the melody does the same thing that the lyrics are talking about. So later on, when you hear us forget that word, know the word is proxemix. Please enjoy Maya Elise. Thanks so much for hanging out today. I'm glad you had a slow morning with such a good vibe to have a conversation. I heard you uh, just had a trip to your cousin's house. How was it? Oh, yeah, it was to my to my brother's house um, in Arizona. I got to see my nephews. They're nice. like two or four and six. No, four and eight. It's been like two years since I've seen them. So it's crazy to like watch them grow. Where yeah. in Arizona? Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. Nice. Yeah. My parents live out in Arizona as well. Oh, seems nice. seems like a, a spacious a spacious place. I've uh, I've really been enjoying listening to your music. It makes me think that you pick up hitchhikers very frequently. <laughs> Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Um, the song. You know that song is like a little bit. It's some of it is true and some of it is fiction. Mm. I don't like to reveal which parts are true and sure, which yeah. parts are fiction, but. It was inspired by an experience where when I was a little kid where my dad actually picked up my dad and I picked up some people that needed a ride cool. um, when we were in Ohio. It like really stuck with me that he did that. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So that. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, it's a bold call, especially with like a, a kid. How old were you at the time? I was like eight. I think. Wow. I mean, my dad is a deadhead and these people were deadheads nice. you know so there's this kind of like oh we're family it's cool um yeah. kind of vibe so did they um, have some sort of symbol to show that they were deadheads or it just so happened uh my dad was wearing a grateful dead shirt and they kind of approached him you know i think in like we were driving through ohio we were like at a mcdonald's i don't think you just like come across other deadheads in like rural ohio sure so often yeah. Most of them left, right? So I yeah. think I think they were like, oh, this guy might help us out. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I also really enjoyed the, uh, in a different song, the visuals of a kitchen scissor haircut, which also, yeah. I'm, I'm just, the, 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 there's a lot of really great visuals that I'm, I'm enjoying. So I figured I'd just call out some highlights. Um, that Thanks. seems legit. Is, is that, is that a, is that a real thing that you That's do? That's legit. Yeah. I mean, Right, like a maybe a few months before the pandemic, I I got bangs, mm-hmm. and they're like a lot to maintain. You know, you have to cut them often. Yeah. And during the pandemic, I was like, well, I'm not gonna like go somewhere every time I need to get my bangs cut. So I use the use the kitchen scissors to to cut my hair because they were the sharpest ones in the house. Jeez. Um, and you know, I could have just like gone and gotten hair scissors, but I I didn't do that. So the the breakdown album. Was that done like fully in quarantine then? Yeah, we, me and my band did the whole like test quarantine, create our own bubble for a week up at, um, my drummer has a studio in Sebastopol, California, uh, mm. which is really beautiful. It's like out in the woods. And um, so we went up and stayed there for a week and pretty much recorded the whole thing with the exception of like the cover 
And I think I went back and like did some overdubs later. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. so fun. Some of the vocal arrangements are so fun. Like um, for going nowhere, mm-hmm. you have all those like sharp ahs coming in, and there's just like a lot of really good floaty things. Is that you producing, or who's who's helping? You um, great question. Since we were all there, we were all in the room together. It's like one giant room. Yeah. It ended up kind of being a group production project versus like one person being like, all right, do this, try this. And so that was my idea, the Oz. Um, but I can't take credit for everything on the album. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. But you course, can take the Oz. That's why I can take the, the little sharp Oz. Yeah. And, and that was a fun moment for me because I feel like the first album that I made, I had no idea what I was doing and, and really relied on my producer, David, and other people to kind of like know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like for the for this one, I I really trusted myself a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and had like, I had more moments where I felt like I really did know what I wanted, which was like a nice shift from, from the first project I did. What do you think was the was it just like self-confidence or what What was the difference maybe more song knowledge in general like what do you think built that confidence in you or gave you that reason for confidence yeah I think just more experience in writing more like listening to more music and um I mean I've learned I think the first album was kind of a process where I learned how other people listen to a song to hear what the production is like like I had never done that before mm-hmm. I'm like oh I like the lyrics I like the way this makes me feel. And so really like listening to other people be like, oh, the production's really nice and be like, oh, what does that, what does that even mean? Right? Yeah. Now I'm like listening to music and I'm like, oh, what's that over there? Like, yeah. what's that over there? I think spending more time with other people who are creating music was a big part of that. And also just like, I don't know, I was like three years older than the first yeah. one. I'm like, have more experience <laughs> and know myself better. And I also got a team... Or like my band that I got together, it's like it was four people that I just love so much. And so I felt like really supported by them. And also I felt like they really trusted me. It was less unfamiliar. Like the first time I was like, I don't know these people very well. So this time it was like, oh, yeah, like I can say whatever I want, even if it's a bad idea. And I think getting over that hurdle was really important. That's great. When you are listening to songs with a more like producer's ear, what what types of things do you find yourself being drawn to? Right now, I'm really listening to guitar tones. Ooh. Um, like, what kind of tone are they using? Or, like, trying to figure out how they, like, got that tone. I'm also listening to the way people are using, like, what my, my bandmate and someone who produces with me, um, Gordon, he always talks about like ear candy, like what kind of ear candy is in this song, like something you might not notice right away. Right. But then you like put headphones on and you're like, oh yeah, there's this like kind of swirling sound like in the back left, like what's going on there? Um, And the song like might appear really simple, but um, that it's kind of that sort of stuff. Like what are like the secrets that I can put in that aren't like key features of the song, but really like make it feel exciting. What uh, do you have any good like ear candy that you've uh, been really inspired by lately? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, so much. I actually, I'm just gonna pull up this note because nice. <laughs> if I can find it, well, I won't look for it right now. But yeah, I really, I mean, I've just been listening to so much, um, so much Madison Cunningham, 
I just saw her live and it was just like, oh my gosh, it was incredible. Um, and then also Katie Kirby. And I feel like the song Portals has been a really important song to me. And there was this kind of like synthy sound and I wasn't quite sure. I was like, how did she get that? It must be a synth. And then I just saw her live as well. And it turned out someone was like playing the saw with like a violin bow. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, of course, you know. Um, The saw. (laughs) Right. And it's so funny. Like, I think right now I'm kind of like, it's synth. Like everything is synth that I can't explain. You know, everything is like (laughs) a computer. And then I get up there and someone has like, I don't know, a violin or a cello bow is kind of far away. I was playing the saw. And I was like, you can do anything, right? Yeah. Retro. The saw. Yeah. Yeah, um, you you mentioned these these guys that have been a very integral part of mm-hmm. you. You moved from a solo project to a band project, mm-hmm. and now they seem very close to you, like very close friends as well. Yeah, what yeah. has that been like moving from solo into band and like having like w- what's that creative relationship like? It's really amazing. Most of them are songwriters in their own right, so they all have like ideas about melody and and lyrics and it really does feel like a family especially when we're recording like we can get an I can get annoyed with them I don't I think I'm the one that like kind of I get kind of like um overwhelmed in the studio when everyone's like bringing their opinions in so I'm the Mm -hmm. one to be like everyone stop talking you know (laughs) like this is everyone three people need to leave the room right now or something like that you know but it's like it's kind of like how you would talk to your siblings and know that like you still really love them. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is that I was feeling pretty lonely playing by myself. Yeah. Like, I feel like I didn't have like I didn't have like the buy-in from anyone else. No one else was going to like love this as much as I do. And now that I have a band to play with, I feel like way less alone in this endeavor, which is like choosing to do music in this way is like both a really easy decision for me and also like kind of scary. Yeah. So yeah, I think I I feel less alone. I feel like not every idea has to come from my brain, which yeah. is really nice. It's like I can be like, "What do you think right yeah. now?" When I'm I don't have any more ideas, and someone else can like take it over for a second. So it's really nice. That's really sweet. What well, with I mean, when you're a solo project, your personal ambitions for the project. Mm-hmm. are you know that's the goal that's where you go that's you know that's that's how you set the target right. when you're with a group of people like how did you negotiate like the group's goal and like the group's vision mm-hmm. for like where to take the band and where do you think that is yeah it's kind of different for each person i would say like the core band is this trio so that's me and jordan Lowe and mcgillery allen also goes by gordon i think like for gordon especially like he He's like, I want to play as much music as possible, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was kind of like a kick in the butt to be like, all right, like, let's book a tour, you know? Because if I want to keep you around, because he's like such an important person to me. And Mm -hmm. especially in this band, like he means so much to me and to this music. And so like, if I want to keep him around, like we got to be playing all the time, you know? So (laughs) it's been like a really, and like, I would say that to his face. We've had this conversation before. So to me, that's like a really, was a really important thing. It's like really motivating to have mm-hmm. other people invested and also kind of like relying on you to like yeah. be choosing music, uh, be choosing to play and be choosing to record. 
I think I really needed that, like, in some ways, that pressure mm-hmm. f- to, like, fully commit. So that, that pressure feels positive to you? I feel like I... Oh, yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, and it's not like, come on, Maya, like, yeah. get it together. But it's like, I want to do this. Yeah. Do you want to do this? Like, yeah. okay, well, then let's actually do it. Let's not just talk about tour, you know? Like, we could talk mm-hmm. about, like, oh, when we're on tour, but, like, are we really booking it? Are we really, like reaching out to people are we really like playing all the time or as much as we can so yeah. mm-hmm. the project is named maya elise and the good dream mm-hmm. which makes you the leader question mark so yeah. when it comes to responsibilities everybody has to have like some responsibilities that has to be spread out but there mm-hmm. is like because it's your name mm-hmm. I-, I would assume that there'd be a greater percentage designated to you how do you how do you work that out? I think that's a, like an ongoing process. Yeah. I'm definitely a self-diagnosed control freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I kind of like having that responsibility. Yeah. And I like to be organized. And I like to make the spreadsheets and like book the yeah. tour. And But to me, it's about having people I can go to and be like, hey, I need help with this. Like I need help promoting this show. I need I need you to literally just come sit next to me and listen to me talk out loud while I like plan out this route. You know, and I could ask like anyone to do that. They don't have to be in my band, but like it feels way better that they are. I don't know. I'm not a control freak. I love like bringing people <laughs> in. I love like I don't want to be alone. I want people's ideas and I want people's support and like yeah. I'm like learning how to ask for that support through this having a band. And That's everyone great. has different capacities, so it's like I can't ask everyone for everything. True. Yeah. And I mean, because it is uh, a project under your name, the book kind of does stop with you. So yeah, even if you wanted to, you wouldn't be able to ask them to do the same kinds of things that that you would be um, supposed to be doing. Yeah. Maybe Um, eventually. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Fair, fair distribution of work throughout a band seems like a very hard topic for a lot of people. Yeah, and I also think that, like, it doesn't have to be even. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if we want to, like, get into, like, politics, you know, it's not oh, like you have to, you have to do, like, you know, like, if you don't work as hard, you don't get as much. Like, that's mm. not how yeah. I want this world to be. Right. Because we all have, like, limits into how hard we're working, how hard we're able to work, right? Like, Jordan's in, in grad school right now. Oh, wow. So I can't, like, ask him to, like, do everything coming to rehearsal and like playing shows is like what he can do right now. And like, Mm -hmm. that's great. I'm so grateful that he can do that. I'm also of the mindset right now. Like I'm not trying to burn out and I'm not trying to have anyone else around me burn out from the things that I'm asking them to do. I think like in some ways the pandemic was good for that for me Mm -hmm. because like I quit my job in December, 2019. I was like, wow music full-time let's go yeah and like you know then came to a screeching halt (laughs) screeching halt yeah screeching halt I don't know whatever it was (laughs) and I had to really be like okay how do I want to do this do I want to just like burn out by like touring all the time and like go 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 Mm -hmm. I was like no I don't really want to do that like I want this to be sustainable like emotionally and spiritually also wait so you quit December and then everything shut down March. So yeah, y- did you tour between December and March? No, I went and traveled in Italy 
Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I was like, oh, I'm going to go travel and then I'll come back. And I started to book a tour while I was abroad, just like a West Coast tour. Yeah. Um, that obviously didn't happen. But then, like, I don't know, all these people that I really admire and love were, like, available to record an album and maybe wow. wouldn't have been. Like, the person who recorded bass on the album had just released his own album. And so he probably would have been touring. Yeah. Not to be, like, selfish, like, oh, I'm glad that he yeah. wasn't touring. But, like, it was it was great. You're glad that, that he got people... to be on the album. <laughs> yeah, all these people were around and we got to make music together, so. When did things uh, start picking back up for you like when when did touring uh, scheduling start again we've been on a couple like shorter tours this summer mm-hmm. yeah. um just like a few days here a few days there and that felt really good like we're really into doing house concerts so like yeah. backyard shows felt like kind of the first accessible thing for us mm-hmm. yeah this summer maybe in like i think it was like june or july and then we released the album bless you, Thank you. we released the album in august and have played some shows since then. And then right now I'm I'm just kind of getting started to like figure out some longer stretches in 2022. That's exciting. Yeah. The uh, backyard concert scene during COVID, was that easy for you to navigate like during COVID with, with people? You're in Portland? I'm in Oakland. Oakland. California. You're in Oakland? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, great. I'll be there so soon. Where are you? <laughs> um, I'm in I'm in Santa Barbara, but my okay. grandparents live in Alameda, so I'm in oh, nice. um, Oakland quite a lot. A- at the beginning of the pandemic, there was so much hesitancy around live music, even at a mm-hmm. like intense dif- like distance, being like, "No, I'll be right. like a hundred feet away from you." Or just <laughs> it's we can still do this, but like very yeah. spread out, far apart. Um, what was that like in Oakland? It felt really good. You know, I think we started to figure out like as a society that like especially in Oakland like I think the pandemic was taken really seriously Mm -hmm. I think we started to figure out like what is actually safe versus what isn't and I and it became pretty clear that like outdoor events once people are like getting vaccinated Mm -hmm. actually is okay yeah and like I was like great I'm gonna take it and run with it until someone tells me (laughs) otherwise I was like not looking back you know yeah um I'm still feeling like medium about indoor shows. Mm -hmm. I'll do them, but I think I want to be cautious about, especially being the one like taking my mask off. Like, I want to be cautious about like getting tested before. I don't know. I just, I can convince myself that it's okay. And then I think about like, well, what if like I had COVID and I just like, took my mask off inside and sang to like a room full of people like right i'm still i'm getting there with it but yeah. i'm not quite i'm not quite there yeah it's it it feels so tricky for because yeah. every every work opportunity that comes in especially right now just wanting to take it so bad mm-hmm. and then realizing like oh my god i have to set up this boundary and then you're doing this dilemma between like right. your need for money and right. your desire to keep other people like, safe uh, and yeah, healthy. safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If an artist I really love was like, hey, do you want to come on tour with me tomorrow? Yeah. And like, we're playing all these venues. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, it wouldn't be a hard decision, but you know, there's, right. it's just, it comes with a risk right now. And that's like something I got to live with. Right. I would love to switch gears really quickly to ask about how you got Whitman College to divert from fossil fuels. 
Oh, I did not get women in college to divert. Oh, you did not. Personally, no. No, tell me the story. But but that was a whole. I mean, it was a it was a big effort over many years. Yeah. Um, but. I don't want to be the one to take credit for sure, it. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, were, were you involved in some way? Yeah. So there was a group in college uh, called Divest Whitman um, when I was there. And I kind of started paying attention to it not until my senior year, which I think is when it like got kind of big. And then there was a call for alumni. Like I graduated and or before I graduated, I was in a duo with my friend Jonas Myers. We kind of started like writing about the environment. Like he was writing about the environment. And I was writing about the environment. And so then we met with the Divest group and like played these songs. And it felt like, oh, music can like be a part of this process and this yeah. movement. And then there was a big call for alumni to not donate until Whitman divested. So wow. I uh, abstained my minuscule donation that I would have made um, yeah. until they divested. And they recently did, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's been so many students and faculty who have put in a ton of effort into that process. And Whitman, small private school, you got to start somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, we have to divest. And, and I think it was the first time, like my senior year of, of college was like the first time when I really felt, I started to feel the anxiety of climate change. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, there's like something in my body that is like, feeling anxious hmm. most of the time when I hear about climate change, which it should make us feel anxious. It's really <laughs> scary. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you an environmental studies major or how did you? No, I was a music theory major, classical music theory. At a school that small, you kind of like are aware of everything else that's going on. It's not like you're just like in the practice room all day. Because I, I, I wasn't a, a music major. So how, how valuable do you feel like that was to where you are right now? I think it was very valuable in some ways. I think it was like almost more symbolic than anything of like huh. making a choice to like study music mm -hmm. versus something else and like deciding that this is like important enough to me to like spend four years learning about. Yeah. You know, like I'm not playing classical music so much anymore, right. <laughs> but actually like seeing Madison Cunningham and like people like her who are playing guitar in these really interesting ways has been really inspiring. And I'm like, at her show, I was like, oh yeah, I hear the counterpoint. Like I hear Bach, you know? And I like oh. hear this stuff that like, I hear how she's like taking a motif and like flipping it on its head and putting it backwards. And like, Whoa. I think in those moments, I'm like, I need to go, I want to like go back to what I learned and be mm -hmm. like, how can I? Oh, and like Margaret Glasby is another person who really inspires me in that way. I want to go go back and take some of what I learned and bring it into like a non-classical framework. Motifs, the <laughs> recent Bo Burnham special. Um, yeah, yeah. M just a song that like the final song being like not even like that amazing of a song, but just bringing back all the motifs from the entire mm -hmm. thing and making you weep because it's yeah. just like, it's just, he made you feel all these things and then to bring them all in at the end, it bringing in motifs in a different context creates an entirely different swirl of emotion yeah and yeah i'm just shocked that i like never use it <laughs> i know i mean i really should use it more i think I, i'm trying to use it a little bit more mm -hmm. especially like melodic motifs and also like with words like bringing back little thematic motifs 
changing a word. I mean, it's really popular in country music to kind of like end the song with like the first line, but like slightly different because the yeah. story has changed. You know, like I mean, it's kind of corny, but like it works. You're like, oh wow, they, like <laughs> look at the transformation. You know? Yeah. Um. So yeah. I I feel like I was again had like no music education, so I I learned through YouTube videos. I like mm-hmm. watched a YouTube video on um motifs in Hamilton and like mm. being blown away about how words are being used in different songs to mean these different things. So that's a, that's as far about it as as I know. <laughs> Would you be at all interested in playing one of your songs? Sure. Yeah. To throw in another curveball. Not totally. I'm not the best at transitioning today. No, that's great. Um transitions are hard. I really enjoyed going nowhere this morning. Okay, nice. Um you're welcome to play whatever you want. Okay, um, I'll play Going Nowhere. Let's buy a boat and sail away Up to Alaska where we'll watch the ice melt away We'll build our home upon a dream A perfect paradise where you're the king and I'm the queen I'll paint a picture out of dust And decorate our living room with photographs of us all Don't you know this dream ain't ours? We're just two kids trying to smoke a big cigar, so leave your sweater in a drawer. We aren't going where the weather's cool. Some say cold, it's too warm outside. I've heard you three times, maybe.
Let's buy a boat and sail away up to Alaska, where we'll watch the ice melt away. Cute. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. That key change is so cool. Thanks. That was, I actually wrote that song like six years ago um, oh. when I was still at school. Yeah, it was, that was like the first time I put a key change in a song. Yeah, can like, you show me how you're fun. doing it? Yeah. I could use another year or two gravity to keep me down um, before we go. I go to that from the F to the E mm-hmm. and then I treat the E as the five away. Cool. Um and then move to the A, or sorry, move to a B. Um, I have a capo on, so. Yeah, I, yeah. I treat the F sharp as the five, and now we're in B. Nice. Um, and then throw a major two in there to throw off wow, that we're geez. no longer in B. Um, and then <laughs> I love using a minor one. And then kind of land in the F sharp as the one. Mm-hmm. Um, for like just momentarily. So, away, away, almost as if it's a minor four, and yeah. then mm, F sharp, and then G, uh, A, and then we're yeah. back in D. Wow. I don't know. It's fun. fun. It's fun to move in circles. Yeah, it works really well. Thank you. Particularly yeah. in the in the theme of flying, to like be like, give me a second before we fly, and then to modulate up, and then to come back down, it like fits within like what the song is saying at the same time. Yeah, I love doing that. Um, there's a term for that in classical music, but I can't remember what it's called. Yes, it's when when the melody is doing a similar thing as the as the phrase um or as like the lyrics are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh, I just learned <laughs> this. Uh ooh. It's okay. I should remember, but I don't. See, this is where I have to go back and be like, what yeah. were all those things that I learned? <laughs> we know that's a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a thing that people like. I typically ask people about uh books, what kind of books that they're mm. very interested in. I came across you talking about um, braiding sweetgrass and how we show up. I've read mm-hmm. half of braiding sweetgrass and then I let it go. And that is such a tragedy. You got to finish it. It's so good. <laughs> can you tell me about uh, how we show up or if there's a, another book that you're that you're interested in or want to talk about? Yeah. How we show up is like kind of like it, when everyone, anyone asks like, what should I read? That's the book I tell people to read. It has like the most beautiful visions and examples of what community can look like outside of the structures of capitalism, Mm. but also inside the structures of capitalism. So it's like, how do we show up for each other so that we're not just like relying on the government, essentially? I mean, that's not what the book is about. But to me, that was like one interpretation is like, how do we be in relationship with other people? to actually create like networks of mutual aid and support that's period end and it's a really beautiful book it's by mia birdsong uh she lives in oakland i i would imagine that the advice of being just like just like have empathy for the people you care about and like 
ask them what they need. Just assume that people are in need mm. and like anticipate their needs and like help to meet them. What other type of nuance did you find in that advice? Yeah, great question. I think one example that I can't remember if this was an example from Mia who wrote the book or she kind of has a lot of other people talk about their experiences. But one example that was written about was how just asking like, can I help? What do you need? Mm -hmm. to people is sometimes a really overwhelming question right because it's like i don't even know what i need right now but like saying hey can i come over and do your laundry for you or can i come over and like cook dinner for you and like Mm -hmm. kind of offering something specific i think she was talking about like people who have kids and you know work full time and it's like their lives are really busy and like it's hard to even know how to begin to ask for help and how like asking and receiving help actually like makes our communal network stronger and refusing help like when someone says like can i can i do this thing for you and we're like no no it's fine i got it like interrupts that process of building these like mycelial networks between people and does she refer to it as a mycelial network she might she probably okay. does like <laughs> mycelium's hot right now you know like, yeah it is so I was like, yeah, it's very like, popping in the yeah i mean it's in it's in braiding sweetgrass i think and um i'm reading another book right now called finding the mother tree it's a memoir by a woman who um has studied mycelium and cool. uh, learned a lot about it yeah um, that's a very hot topic right now People yeah are crazy for mushrooms right now yeah the pandemic they were like yeah yeah mushrooms <laughs> are the way out apparently what is the worst Uh, advice that you've received about your music career oh my god (laughs) well people love to like tell me things like just like being a woman and playing music and people love to tell me what they think I should do and sometimes it's really good advice and so I'm I'm always like open when someone's like hey can I offer some advice such a hard opening sentence right and I'm like I always kind of like put my guard up a little bit I think the worst advice I got recently was don't print CDs. No one buys them. Huh. It's not like the worst advice. It was just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it just feels not true. Like Yeah, because cool, it's um, not true. It's like, well, maybe we just need to work harder to sell them, right? Yeah. You know, like maybe the pitch isn't good enough. Like when I'm trying to get people to buy merch at shows, I'm like making it more about them. Like buy my CD, like so that you can listen. It's like when you buy the CD, it like fuels this passion for me Mm -hmm. you know and like i tell people even if you don't have a cd player it's beautiful art and you can take it home you know like people buy the cds so i felt a little vindicated when i started to sell cds that like you know someone who told me like you shouldn't you really shouldn't be printing cds i was like well (laughs) yeah the the cost compared to vinyl is still like so much cheaper and they're physically smaller like the actual cost is relatively low yeah um granted i mean that's excluding all the work that you put in in the studio yeah. so just like excluding all of that i also find that people are still buying it and people like i had a guy yeah. tell me the other day he looked at me and scoffed and he was just like i don't have a cd player young man and his <laughs> wife his wife literally grabbed the cd shoes i do and i was like oh get worked that's funny. <laughs> yeah i mean i i bought printed vinyl pressed vinyl this time yeah. Which I feel like that's just continuing to be like yeah, an evergreen. Yeah, that's been scenario. awesome. Especially um, when you're like the album art on mm-hmm. this is so good. Yeah, that was done by Matt Goff, um, who is 
a really incredibly talented both visual art and musician. He's a drummer in the Bay Area. So, did you give him just like free reign on that, or what? What was the what was the prompt? I knew I wanted collage, Mm -hmm. and he seemed to be excited about making some collage. So he he said, "I'm just gonna make a bunch of collages." And cool. if you like one of them, you can use it. Cool. Um, and I've seen, it's fun because I've, I've actually seen pieces of like the other ones that I was looking at in like other people's art cool. now. Um, and like there was like a show poster that used one of them. And I think it was like a fun, a fun thing for him to do. The one that I ended up choosing, I, I really like, it was really clear to me when I saw that yeah. piece. I was like, oh, that's the one for sure. The colors are really beautiful. Yeah, it's a really it's, nice it's palette. Nice colors. I like the like. I was really drawn to the image of the people walking kind of in the desert, hmm. which I think that like you might not notice at first. It's a lot easier to see on the vinyl. That's awesome. More uh, eye candy, not a eye not candy. a main yeah. feature. We're talking yeah. things in the background. Right. Um, exactly. The what is the worst gig you ever played? Oh my gosh, um, I played a gig. I had the gig scheduled for a long time, and it was in a bar. The Warriors made it to the championships series. It was in San Francisco, and yeah. the game was on during the show. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just like so. People you know, were loving you. They were just cheering you on. They, like you know, all of a sudden, in the middle of the song, I would hear like a big cheer, and yeah. I would like have to remember that it wasn't for it's me. It's not for you. <laughs> um, that was rough, but you know, it was okay. Like there were people there, you know. Yeah, but it's like my music isn't like. It's not really good bar music. It's not loud enough sure. to be bar music. And it's like, it doesn't, like some of the songs are groovy, but like most of them are kind of like intimate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we play live. And so, and that was a solo show too. So it was even more like intimate. That was also like early on when I was just like, yeah, I'll play, I'll do anything. Like, and someone offered me a gig and I was like, yeah, of course. And now I'm like, I don't know if I want to play in a room that doesn't feel good to me. Like, yeah, I uh, I once played next to a spin class while it was, uh, <laughs> while it was going. But they also had spin class music, so you really couldn't hear me over the spin <laughs> class music because it was just booming. And oh I was my like, gosh. I don't understand why I was hired to be here. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, it's like a aesthetic, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever been at a spin class and really wished there was someone in the corner? <laughs> um, you ever, you ever been at a Warriors game and then ever, ever wished there was a girl singing right next to you? Yeah. <laughs> people, a lot of, a lot of people don't think these things through as they, as they book. It's okay. Like I know there's gonna be more gigs in the future that just like aren't good. You yeah. know, like yeah. that's just how it is. But you can't let that like ruin anything for you just have to be like okay that was not a good gig and yeah. i'm gonna move on now um apart from touring like what are the what are the things that you're looking forward to with this project mm. yeah we're starting to record again nice well but in a different way not in like kind of like okay let's all get together for a week but like we just recorded kind of like the bones of of a new song i'm excited to write i'm excited to to record more and um I think in the winter, Gordon has a really cool spot, a studio that he built up in Oregon. Cool. And I think um, cool. the three of us are going to head up there and make some music and uh, yeah. hibernate a little bit. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Um, it's been great chatting with you. Is there anything yeah, else too. that I forgot to ask about? 
that you want to, um, you have a love for Taylor Swift, anything in particular that you want to? Uh, yeah, I do love Taylor Swift. Like that's how I learned guitar by learning her songs. Really? So really? I have like, yeah, I was like, I don't know, 14, 15. And yeah, like, that's very she reasonable. She spoke to me and like, yeah, her songs were easy to learn and yeah. And um, so catchy. And so catchy. So I have to like, I have to cheers, cheers her yeah. for that at least. And also just like taking control of her career yeah cool too the main thing that i always want to convey is that like i always like to say at my shows and anytime i get in front of people that like i feel really grateful to be making music every time i'm doing it and it mm. i don't want to like lose that i don't want it to ever feel like something i'm taking for granted that i get to do that that's awesome well i appreciate it um pleasure meeting you yeah. and that's all. I'll clap us out. Cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm.